Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church Podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Numbers chapter number 20. I'm going to start reading with verse number 1, and we're going to be all the way down to verse number 13. Man, it feels good to be home. Hallelujah. Numbers chapter 20, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers chapter number 20. I'm going to start reading with verse number one. Then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, into the desert of Zin in the first month. And the people abode in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried. Verse two. And there was no water for the congregation. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. They didn't have any water, so now everybody's ticked off. Didn't have no air conditioning, so everybody was ticked off. And the people chode with Moses. That's a good King James word. They contended with Moses and said, What to God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord? Why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our cattle should die? It's funny. They didn't ask about the kids. They asked about the cows. We and the cows are going to die. Wherefore have you made us come out of Egypt to bring us into this evil place? It's no place of seed or figs or vines or pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went before the presence of the assembly. I'd love to have heard that that conversation. And went to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. They fell on their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, take your rod. And gather the assembly together, you and Aaron, your brother, and speak to the rock. Everybody say, speak. Speak. Y'all going to have to come on now. We do not roll like this. Say, speak. Speak. And speak to the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. And you shall bring forth to them water out of the rock, so then maybe they will shut up, and then you'll give them drink. And Moses, verse 9, took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded. And Moses, this is just funny. And Moses gathered the congregation before the rock, and he said to them, Now listen, you bunch of rebels. You want water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand with his rod, and he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beast also. And the Lord spake to Moses and Aaron, because you believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you, Moses, will not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. This is the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel strove with the Lord, and he was sanctified in them. Look at verse 12 again. Because you did not believe me, because you did not believe me, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you will not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Everybody said, amen. Now, when I tell you the subject today, I want you to know that I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking about you. We're not talking about us. We're talking about your family members. Doesn't apply to us. We're talking about your friends. 
not talking to you, talking about your coworkers. Okay? This is what I want to talk about this morning. Be stable. Be stable. Everybody say that. One more time. Be, let's see, that's why we're not talking about you. We're talking about all your emotionally unstable family members, not you. If you ever want to know what instability looks like, it's real easy to see. Just go to Facebook and scroll, and you see people melting down in front of the world. When I used to lead this Bible college down in Hamilton, Alabama, it was always funny because you would see young ladies whose boyfriend just broke up with them processing everything they thought for all the world to see, right? So they just went through a gut-wrenching heartbreak, and they're saying things like, I don't need nobody but Jesus. Ain't no man going to do nothing for me. Jesus is the, he's my husband. I'm engaged to the Lord. Me and him going out this Friday night. Next week she finds a new boyfriend and they're posting pictures together. Look at what God sent me. Look at my Boaz. Look at God. You know what your problem is, honey? Unstable. Unstable, unstable. You ever read people's posts on Facebook and thought, man, I wouldn't have put that. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Man, I wouldn't have wrote that. That says more about you than it does the people you're trying to call out. Huh? Those little, those little subtle remarks that people give you, just boom, that little, mm, that, little, that little hip check they give you on social media. You're like, man, calm down. Stability is this. Listen to me. Stability is being able to make a right decision when you're up under pressure. It's being able to look a situation in the eye that's causing you pain and being able to say, in the middle of this confusion and pain, I'm still going to do what God has called me to do. In the middle of tough circumstances, stability says, I'm not going to be moved by everything going around me. I'm still going to do what God told me to do. Be stable. You ever gotten just deeply, deeply agitated? The, the, the only way I know to describe agitation is, they don't do this anymore, but back in the day, they used to create washing machines with this thing in the middle. You know what they call it? The agitator. When you get agitated, that's what it feels like on the inside. It's churning. They don't even make them like that anymore. You know why? Because it tear up all your clothes. But they used to make them with this agitator, just, just fuming, just seething, just, just, just frustrating. And God is trying to grow you to a place of stability. And the way he grows you to that place of stability is he uses the things that agitate you and frustrate you to get you to the place of maturity that he wants you to be. Let me say it this way. A lot of times the very thing we need is wrapped up in people we don't even like. Let me say that again for the people in the back. A lot of the times, the very thing we need, God wraps up in people we don't like. That coworker at work that you see, that you look at, that you avoid, that you think about, that you tell your husband about, God's using them. Y'all ain't shouting because they might be here. But you're like, huh? 
When God wraps it up in things you don't even like. See, it is one thing when God blesses people that we like. It is a whole different thing when God blesses people that we do not like. Huh? When you're believing God for a car and your best friend gets a new one, you shout. When that tramp at work rolls up in one. Oh, no. Oh, no. Who does she think she is rolling up in here like that? Did you see the way she sauntered into work this morning? The nerve. If the door opens, I'm going to tell her everything I think about her and her mama and her kids and all of them. And God is saying, I'm using this tough circumstance to create some stability down on the inside of you. You're laughing because you know I'm telling the truth. How did she get a new car? She don't even work hard. How did this happen? The devil is a liar. God's using it to create stability in you. It's one thing, it's one thing, Saul, when God is blessing Jonathan and you can celebrate it. But it's another thing when God starts blessing David and it eats you alive. I need to preach a series on, some, on this just good old-fashioned word called envy. Envy is the pain you feel when God does for somebody else what you're believing him to do for you. you. This is how we roll at Hope Unlimited if you're curious. Have you not ever, you not ever experienced that pain of when you were believing God for something and he turned around and blessed your enemy? And you think, what in the name of God am I doing? I know I pray more than they do. I know I give more than they do. I know I live more holy than they do. They got an attitude. They do that. Have you, have you seen their Instagram? Have you seen how God blessing that? That ain't God. Because God's using it to grow some stability down on the inside of you. Because everybody in this room, God gives you, listen and listen closely, listen closely. God gifts you with a certain amount of ability. God gives you ability. He gives you ability to lead. He gives you ability to have influence. He gives you ability to stand in certain areas, in certain arenas. He gives you the ability to have a voice into certain situations. God gives you ability. But with ability, you have to have stability. You have to have the stability to balance out the ability. Because your ability, listen... Your ability will cause people to want to follow you. Okay? I'm, I'm, I'm editing. Hang on, I'm editing. No, don't say that. That would be bad. No, no. Your ability. I know, I know, I know leaders that can build a church simply because of their ability to preach. Because your ability can get somebody to follow you. If you perform well on your job, people will follow you because you are productive, because you have ability. But stability doesn't make people follow you. Stability makes people trust you. 
And it's one thing when you follow someone because they are able. It's another thing when you trust someone because you've seen them be stable. You've seen them go through different facets of life and they stood there unmovable. That's why David said, I'm going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. My leaf will not wither and whatsoever I do will prosper. Everybody wants to get to the promise. Everybody wants to get to my leaf doesn't wither. Everybody wants to get to everything that I touch prospers. But before you get to everything that I touch prospers, before you get to the leaf does not wither, you got to get to I'm like a tree standing by the rivers of all. And when people gossip, I'm not moved. And when people leave, I'm not moved. And when people lie about me, I'm not moved. And when things don't work out the way I want them to work, I don't move. I'm like a trim stable. Stable. Be stable. Do you have anybody in your life you just want to look at and say, you're a little unstable. There's, well, I don't think they will listen to this, but we have a particular person in, that we know, that we love deeply. And they're always, you know, you know I can't, I don't, I don't I guess it's my personality, I can't really, I, I don't have a drama gear. I can't go there with you, right? I can't. So if you're looking for pastoral help, I don't know, man. It's, that just sounds really hard. That's, that's about all you got to get. And so I've got, I've got some people that I know that, that they're always going from one crisis to another. One, fire, one thing's on fire in their life. When that gets put out, another thing catches fire in their life. When that gets put out, that, that catches fire in their life. And so all, their whole life is spent putting out fires, it's always putting out fires. And then when you talk to them, they'll come to you, and, the, and you think for a moment, you think, I think they've had a flash of insight. I think they're wanting some counsel and some advice to help steer them in the right direction. This is going to be wonderful. I'm going to give them what I think. Um, whether or not they ask for it, I'm going to give them what, that, what I think, and then maybe that will calm it down. So they'll come, and they'll have this stroke of insight, and they'll say, you know what, and in, in, in brokenness, humility, they're like, I need you to really help me with this. What would you do in this particular situation? And you, you have to restrain yourself because you don't want, you know, you want to say a number of things, but... Maturity is learning that not everything you think needs to be said. Right. And so you're walking through it gingerly, and you'll tell them what's going on, what you think about it, and they'll say, oh, that's, uh, man, that's good. That's, that helped me so much. Then they come back the next day. As though the previous day's conversation never took place. I invested four hours over coffee. I don't even drink coffee. I invested four hours in the conversation. And then you come back the next day like it never happened with the same problem. And then you come back the next day like it never happened with the same problem. Then you come back the next day because you don't want that stability. Because when you get stable, drama magically leaves your life. And most people live for drama. It, it gives them their sense of purpose. Did you hear what she said? Oh my God, I got to call 19 people and we got to talk about it for the next nine hours. It's like a, it's like a crack addict. That's what you binge on. Gossip, gossip, gossip. So when you get some stability and drama magically leaves your life, you get kind of bored. Start being kind of, you know, what's the word? Normal. I was, I was preaching up in Ohio and I had these young preachers come up to me after I preached the first night. They're like, oh, my God. They're like, so what, what does your day look like? Like, like when you're, when you're in, the, when you're in, when you're in the, 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 the hotel room, what, I mean, you're just praying all day and just studying and speaking in tongues. What does it look like? What time do you wake up? 
It's like, I kind of, for the most part, I kind of, I just kind of watch Netflix. <laughs> right? The West Wing, that's the best, one of the best shows ever created, The West Wing. I'm, and then second only to the Andy Griffith show, but that's another sermon for another time. But they want this, they want this drama. They want this, they want this spectacular, overwhelming, special event to give them significance because they don't have stability in their life. I want to look at some people sometimes and say, what, what would your life look like if you went through a day without getting churned up over something? What would it look like to go, through, to, to, go to work from 8 to 5 and not get hacked off before 9.30? What would that look like? Just some stability. That, 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 that it is, it's not God's will for us to constantly be seething with frustration. So watch what God tells Moses. These people, the children of Israel, putting pressure on Moses. This tough situation. You brought us out here to die. And you know Moses has to sense the burden of that. There's a couple of million people with their kids following me, and I'm obeying what I thought was God. And we don't have any water to drink. And they're saying, you brought us out here to die? You should have left us in Egypt. This is why the Bible says they contended with Moses. Then Moses gets hacked off. He says, listen, you rebels. He was supposed to speak to the rock. But he overreacted. He didn't operate out of stability. So he smote the rock in his anger. And God says, you didn't believe me. Watch. The area in your life, look at me and look at me good. If you don't get anything else, get this. The area in your life that is creating the most frustration is the area in your life where we believe God the least. Our worry is the spotlight on the area of our life where we are outside of faith. Because when you believe God with it, there's a rest that comes to it. When you're constantly worried about your financial future, it's because you've not given it to God yet. And God rebukes Moses and said, this was your problem, Moses. You didn't give it to me. I'm trying to help you this morning. I'm trying to help you. The place that frustrates you the most, when you get frustrated with them kids, glory to God. <laughs> right. Not you, sweetie. I love you. You're perfect. I forgot she was in big church now. I forgot. Can't use her for a sermon illustration anymore. Everybody give my oldest daughter a hand. You know, I used to feel bad about using my kids for sermon illustrations. I used to feel bad about it. And then I thought, wait a second. My sermons is how they eat. So the way I look at it, they're being used as a sermon illustration. Is this just their contribution to the family? <laughs> they're just carrying their own weight. Glory to God. The place in your life that frustrates you the most, when you're frustrated with your kids, when you're frustrated with your money, when you're, frustra when you're frustrated with your spouse and you're nagging and nagging and nagging, you're overreacting, you're smiting the rock out of your frustration. God's saying, you don't believe me yet. You, 
you don't you you hadn't given it to me that's why the psalms uses the language of rolling rolling it over on him commit your burden to the lord and he'll bring it about rolling it over on him rolling it rolling it over on him he said when you sit there and you keep striking out of anger and out of frustration and you keep overreacting it's because you don't believe me yet you don't believe me yet when you walk in the house and you're ticked off because somebody spent $20 over the budget and you flip it out, it's because you don't believe me yet. You don't believe me yet. That frustration is what highlights where we don't really trust God yet. He's saying you can live completely frustration-free if you would just get into faith. God, glory to God. That's good news. I'm about to shout myself. Your frustration it's highlighting where you're outside of faith. So think about the thing right now that's, that's, that, that, that just gets to you the most. Maybe it's my preaching. You better give it to God. <laughs> think about the thing that frustrates. I had to give it to God this morning. I walked in here, and as soon as I walked in here, I lost nine pounds from the sweat pouring off my body. If our, our poor drummer is back here losing 1,400 calories per song. Y'all better pray for the brother before he passes out. He's going to look the size of Annalise before it's over with. Right? And I just had to walk in. I was just so frustrated. So first, God, we need a building. We need a building. And I remember, I got you to be stable. Well, I trust you with the building. And you're going to fix all of this. And I believe that our people are mature enough that they can endure some inconvenience till we get to the next stage that God has. We're going to be stable. Huh? Where you're the most frustrated is where you see you don't trust God the most. The most frustration highlights the least faith. Because everybody in this room, everybody in this room, listen to me, you, you're created, you're created for dependence on something. You're going to lean on something. You're going to put trust in something. Even the, the, even the concept of complete and totally independent person is a myth. Everybody in here, we lean on something. From time to time, it hadn't happened in a long time, and it's not going to happen anymore in Jesus' name, but from time to time, I've had bouts with uh, vertigo. If you ever had vertigo, it's horrible. It's where you're, it's where you're, you're dizzy. You're spinning, and, and sometimes it can be so bad that if you open your eyes, you get nauseous, and then it gets it goes downhill. And there, there was a couple of years ago, I had vertigo. I, I was at home preparing to preach, and this this just come on me. And I remember I was just sitting there trying to get the world to stop spinning. I went to the bathroom to brush my teeth, and as I was walking down the hallway, I was catching myself. I was catching myself, having to hold myself up. And I thought, isn't it interesting? That when your world is spinning, you automatically look for something to lean on. You're looking for something to give you a point of reference, to give you a weighted anchor to say, hang on, while this world. And while your world is spinning, I promise you, you're leaning. You're leaning on something. You mean to tell you why people abuse substances? I told y'all I used to do some substance abuse counseling back in the day. You mean to tell you why people abuse substances? Because it never lets them down. Because every time they lean on it, it delivers. It's never not come through for them. So when their world starts spinning and they look for a way to cope, you know where they run? They run what's worked for them for so long. 
because they've leaned on. Everybody in here, you're leaning on. You're, le- you're leaning on something. You're leaning on something. That's why God told the children of Israel. He said, you cannot have, you cannot have any other gods before me. And when we, t- when we hear that term, we think, well, that's simple. I don't have, I don't have any other gods. I don't have, this is what he's saying. He's saying a god is anything you put your faith in to deliver you. Your job can be your God if that's what you put the faith in to get you where you want to be. Your relationships can be your God if that's what you put faith in to get you to where you want to be. I have to tell single people all the time, if you think a spouse is going to fix all of your issues, you're trying to put on them the responsibility of being God. You're trying to make them play the role of God in your life, and that is something they are not equipped to do. Huh? Come on, somebody. That's why we have all of, we have all of this relational dysfunctional thinking about relationships in marriage. Things like things like things like you complete me. Right? I was half a person till I met you. That sounds good for the movies, but it's really dysfunctional. Huh? Nobody else can complete you. If they do, they become your God. And the moment they get moved out of the picture, you don't have anything else to lean on. I know people that, that when relationships go bad, they lean on their kids. Oh, now we're getting real, ain't we? They lean on their kids. That's their stability. That's their anchor. That's their point of reference. It's them kids that make them who they are. So they have a hard time letting their kids grow up and become their own person because for 15 years I've raised you and you've been the thing that I've leaned on. You've been the thing that's delivered me. You were the thing that gave me significance and purpose and calling, and now you're gone. No. So I'm going to spend my life guilt-tripping you for leaving me. Look, everybody else left me. When in reality is, you're just looking. You remember the little song? We all need someone to lean on. You remember? Yeah, I don't remember. You're going to lean on somebody. You're going to lean on somebody. So really, so in, in all honesty, in all honesty, let's, let's just talk plain. What is your God or gods? Huh? What, what, what is your God? What are you really leaning into to get you to where you want to be? What are you really leaning into that you put faith in that you say, this is going to deliver me? This is my answer. This is my answer. If I just get that new job, then all of this frustration and agitation that I have, then it will go away. No, it won't. Because all the issues you got now, you're going to have then. And it's just, it's just another God that you're leaning on. Maybe if I changed spouses, maybe if I traded spouses, then all of the problems in my life would leave. That's just another God. And the reason this spouse ain't fulfilling you is because you're trying to make them God. I'm going to preach, I'm going to preach a series one day called The God Players. The people that we exalt in our life to play the role of God. Right? The people we exalt in our life to be the thing that we lean on, that we cling to. Let's be honest. When something breaks loose in our life, what's the first thing we do? Pick up the phone. Pick up Facebook. God, help us all because you're going to get some fantastic counsel through Facebook. There are people on Facebook that they will post stuff about their life. I know what's going on in their life. I know, it's, I know that they left their husband and they've cheated on their spouse and they've forsaken their kids and they will post something talking about, I've just got to be me. And then you got people on there commenting, you do you, girl. 
What? No, don't do you, girl. Go repent and get before God. You do you, girlfriend. You better get a revelation. But that's where we run. That's where we run because we know we will get the counsel that we want. And when somebody dare confront us, we just block them. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't think social media is good for society. I'm just going to say it. But that's a whole other sermon in and of itself. So what do you, what do you lean on? So Moses... In a moment of frustration, overreacts, smites the rock, drink. <laughs> you, bet, you better drink. For everything you put me to bless God, you better start drinking. Smites the rock. God says, because you didn't believe me, you will not inherit the promised land. Listen to this. Moses sacrificed 40 years of his life to lead Israel through the wilderness. And one moment of instability wiped it all away. For 40 years, he proved himself to be a leader that could hear the voice of God and watch God supernaturally provide and overreacted in a moment of frustration and instability and it wiped it all away. God Almighty, how, how do you sacrifice your life for it and then still miss it? The reason God has to create stability in us, and sometimes you just have to fake it, right? How you doing? I'm fine. <laughs> you really good? Yes. <laughs> you excited about the church and the Lord? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, the church. Yeah. The reason God has to build stability in us is because when that ability that you have causes people to follow you, primarily the people that you live with in your own home, primarily them kids that hook themselves to your wagon and they didn't have a choice, that spouse comes home every day the reason God has to create stability in us is because the same number of people we can help is the same number of people we can hurt and so when we want God to exalt us and promote us to greater levels of usefulness the roots of stability have to go even deeper because the higher you go, the more the wind's going to blow and slap you every which way. And the more the wind blows, the steeper and the, the deeper and the more stable you have to be to say, I will not be moved by this. I'll not be moved. I've seen great men of God go through hell and back, things that would make your, 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 your toes curl up on the end. And they just stand there and say, I'm not moving and I'm still going to believe to stand in the face of pain and say, I want to do this, but God's told me to do that. In the middle of a relationship that's frustrating you, and you say, I just want out. And, and there, are biblical, there, are biblical, there are biblical reasons to get out, but not being happy is not one of them. Amen. And the church said amen. 
and I, and I want, I, I, I'm hurting and, 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 I, and I'm unfulfilled and I'm frustrated and, and I want out. But stability says, it doesn't matter what I want. What matters is what did he say? Because I will never go wrong by doing the right thing. I will never go wrong by doing the right thing. You have to be able to look pain in the face and say, I'm still going to do what God told me to do. <laughs> you have to look at them kids sometimes and say, God told me not to kill anybody. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> right? you, have to look, you have to look circumstances in the face and say, this is causing me pain. But I've got to be able to stand up under the pressure because God cannot bless you past your threshold of pain. God cannot bless you beyond your threshold of pain. God cannot bless you past what you can endure. God cannot bless you deeper beyond what you can emotionally and mentally handle. See, everybody thinks that failure is crushing. But success can be as equally as crushing. It's not when you're going through hell that I want to know, can you stand it? Although that's important. But when God's blessing you, can you still stay stable enough to say this is him and not me? God refuses to create a world for us. Y'all with me this morning? I'm about to close. It's, it's 10 after 11 in case you're wondering. We're about to close. God refuses to create a world for you that makes him unnecessary. God's not going to create a world for us that makes him unnecessary. Listen, God has to keep some of us in crisis because he knows that's the only way we'll talk to him. God has to keep fires burning because he knows that's the only way we'll talk to him. He has to force dependence. But if we would just choose dependence, you would be amazed at how many crises leave your life. If you say, when I don't have any money, I'm going to lean on God. And when I've got more than enough money, I'm still going to lean on God. Huh? When my marriage is going through the fire, I need somebody to help me. I'm going to lean on God. When my marriage feels like heaven on earth, I'm still going to lean on God. When my kids are acting crazy, I'm going to lean on God. When my kids come to me and say, I want to go to Bible college because I feel called to the ministry, I'm still going to lean on God because that's where I find, that's where I find my stability. When the building is full, we're going to lean on God. When the building's empty, we're going to lean on God. When people come, we're going to lean on God. When people go, we're going to lean on God because that's where stability happens. I'm going to be like a tree. I'm going to be like a tree. Come on, worship team. I'm going to be like a tree planted. By the rivers of water. So the wind will come. We sing an old song in the Baptist church. I shall not be. I shall not be moved. I shall not be. I shall not be moved. Like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water. I shall not be moved. So when you go to work. And she's there.
I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and start preparing you for Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays. When you go see that family, when you go see the family, and he's there and they're there, stability says, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter how you act, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to treat you with kindness. I'm going to treat, that hurt, didn't it? That hurt, boy, that hurt. I'm going to treat you with kindness. I'm going to treat you with grace. I'm going to treat you with love, even though I know you're never going to reciprocate it back. This is what I do. Why? Because I'm stable. I'm stable. People lie, I'm going to stay the course. When people tell me how wonderful I am, I'm going to stay the course. I'm not going to drink my own Kool-Aid. I'm going to stay the course. Right? Because I'm stable. Stable. When we got enough money, I'm going to stay the course. When I don't know how to pay the power bill, I'm going to stay the course because I'm stable. Because you never know what you can lose, Moses. In one moment of overreaction. The best part of being in leadership is this. People are following you. The worst part of being in leadership is this. People are following you. So when you're leading people, you don't have the luxury of acting out because it can cost you so much. And we say amen to that when we're in this when we're in this room and in front of all the church people and we got our Sunday mask on even though it's sweating because there's no air in it. We got the Sunday mask on. I'm not talking about just in this room. I'm talking about at home with your kids. We don't have the luxury of overreacting. I always, I always ask myself the question every day of my life, what's it going to be like? What are my kids going to say it was like growing up with me when they're 20 and 30 and 40 years old? Are they going to say he was stable? Are they going to say he was out of control? What are they going to say? you got to be stable because you never know what it could cost you. I know kids that are in their 60s that can still tell you about that one time dad acted out and said that thing he shouldn't have said and it changed him it changed him y'all with me this morning is this alright it affected him it impacted him forever and that one moment of instability that one moment of instability created a wound it carried for a long time now I know that's a high standard and let me go ahead and tell you this you're going to blow it and I'm going to blow it. But God is using all of these situations to create somebody in us that's unmovable. Unmovable. Let me tell you this story real quick. I promise I'll shut up after this. Lindsay's grandmother, old woman of God. She's, what is she, 83 years old, incredible woman of God. The lady, the lady is the most godly human I've ever seen in my life. I've never... We'll bring that down. Just touch. I've never seen her. I've never seen her flustered ever. It's like when you get around her, you're like, okay, whatever. You're you and I'm me. That's just the way it is. And so she was in her 70s and her husband had a stroke. And it it, it sped up the it sped up dementia in his brain. His brain completely left. He was a big man, 6'4. Just a big old man. She's just this sweet, petite lady. And 
she would not. I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm not saying this is what you should or shouldn't do. Just, just, just hear the principle of the story. I'm not telling you, you, you in these situations, you got to do what God tells you to do. Okay, but she wouldn't. She wouldn't send him to a. Uh, she wouldn't send him to a to a, a place where he could be taken care of. She wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. She took care of him by herself in her 70s, having to roll this big 300 man over and change his in his diaper and feed him. Never one time. Never one time. I don't, again, I'm not saying that's what you. Y'all hear that? Y'all hear me? Okay. Because Lindsay done told me what was happening to me, if anything like that. Ever. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing. The other day, she asked if we'd go start looking. I was like, man, you want to go start looking for nursing homes for me already? I'm teasing. I shouldn't have said it. <laughs> and uh, I'm teasing. And so whenever you would go over to her house, this was taking years off of her life, years. And I never seen anything like it. I never saw anything like it. She never said a word about it. If you would have been around her, you wouldn't have even known that it was happening. You wouldn't have even known what her day looked like. Her day was basically consumed with taking care of a 70-something-year-old newborn infant. Outrageous. She, she, she never said a word about it. And I remember they went to her, 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 some of her family went to her one time. They said, Mom, listen, this is taking its toll on you. We might need to look at other options. She said, Nope, not looking for other options. Some of y'all, y'all know those grandmothers like this, don't you? That they're, Nope. You can complain about it, even though you ain't the one here doing it, but I'm fine. Y'all know who I'm talking about? She was in there. She was rolling him over to change his diaper. They said, why are you doing this? She said, because 50-something years ago, I made a covenant. And she said, when I made that covenant, I meant it. And she took care of him to the day he died. He died, what, last year, two years ago? Never said a word. It was the perfect picture of stability she also ran her own business during that time where she was the sole, sole entrepreneur proprietor of this business never knew it she was at church every time the doors were open giving, shouting, praising God had a house that was entirely too big for her to manage took care of her husband took care of her business served God played with her, grandkids, her great grandkids because she was a tree she was a tree. Now, I know that's an extreme example, but hopefully that puts in perspective the fact that we have a co-worker that's gossiping a little bit and it gets on our nerves. And we don't know how to deal. Right? Let me tell you how to deal. I can't even right now. Let me tell you how to even right now, okay? <laughs> Stable. You let God develop that stability in you. And you do it by trusting Him with it. I believe you. Stand up on your feet. Hallelujah. Look at the person you're standing beside. Look at them. Look at them square in the eyeballs. And look at them and say this. Say, listen. Look at them. Say, listen. Be stable. <laughs> Tell them, be stable. Be stable. Because it's the right thing. 
because it honors God. Lift your hands up to him. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your word. Father, strengthen us in these areas where you've called us to walk in stability, in maturity, in righteousness, in godliness. Strengthen us, God, in these areas where you've called us to walk in stability. God, we lean on nothing. We lean on nothing but you today. We make up in our minds, we lean on nothing but you. You are the thing we lean on. You are the thing we run to. You are the thing that we trust. You are the one that we give all of this to, God. We lean on you with our families. We trust you with it. For our money, we trust you with it. For our health, we trust, we trust you, we trust you, we trust you. Father, develop stability in us. In Jesus' name, so you can trust us. And then when you trust us, you can use us. And the church shouted hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.